Hey, Mavericks and Misfits family, good to uh, be with you today to be able to release a little bit more uh, from the Nugget Vault, Golden Nuggets of Scriptural Help. Um, In today's episode, I want to talk to you about something that you either have wrestled through, are wrestling through, or you will wrestle through, and usually not just once. And it's part of God's development of our trust in Him. What am I talking about? I'm talking about mm, discerning the will of the Lord when it's not clear in Scripture what you are to do or what you are to commit to, what you are to believe. Um, We all find ourselves in um, these moments and seasons of life where we feel the very valid pressure or expectation to make important decisions And as followers of Jesus, we really want those decisions to be pleasing to the Lord. We want to do the right thing. We actually care about, um, I'm talking about Christians, we actually care that what we do and how we live brings pleasure to the heart of God. And if you are born again, if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, received him um, as Lord, that means inherent in that commitment and that receiving of him, um, his lordship Um, it deposits something in you. It leaves you in this place where you know, as the apostle Paul wrote, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. And so we as Christians don't just kind of haphazardly live and just, you know, make flippant decisions and um, do whatever, you know, our impulses tell us to do. We actually slow down and we recognize that all that we are and how we live is a reflection of, on the Lord outwardly, our outward testimony to others reflects on uh, what we believe about God and who he is. But even probably more importantly than our outward testimony to people is that we have a personal relationship with God, the father, God, the son, and God, the spirit. And because we value that relationship above everything else in life, we actually desire to please him. How we live either brings pleasure to the heart of God, and it can bring displeasure to the heart of God. I think one of the common fallacies of our day is that God's just happy with everybody about everything. And that's um, not a biblical way of thinking. And I think we probably, if we're intellectually honest, we, we know that can't be right. There are some things that displease God. And so we are committed, and I hope we are being you know careful to always seek to do the will of the Lord. Now, here's the rub. This is where it gets hard. Sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes, you know, our, our decisions are between two very good viable possibilities or maybe four possibilities or 10, and we just don't know what to do. There's a lot of important decisions that um, we have to make in life that don't have a singular clarified Bible verse of instruction telling us what to do. So we have to discern what God is saying, and that's not always easy. And so over the years in my own life and then in working with you know many other people, um, the question has arisen, Lord, what do you want me to do? Or the person maybe seeking my guidance has said, you know, we're trying to find out what the will of the Lord is. Can you help us, Jeff? And ultimately, um, I'm always going to point people to the Lord because um, you actually don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a prophet. And I'm not saying that pastors and prophets and counselors and you know mentors aren't used of God to reveal his will. But what I'm saying is 
in the grand scheme of things, the Lord has designed the Christian life to be that um, you hear him for you. And sadly, a lot of pastors and prophets and leaders and mentors, they love being needed. So they love to tell people what the will of God is. And I just think in the long run, that doesn't serve people well. I think that we, um, we point people to Jesus. We teach them that if they'll soak themselves with the written word of God, then their thinking, their emotions, and their will will be saturated with eternal truth. And that makes a lot of um, helpful attributes in your life. It gives you a lot of good stuff when you're soaked with the word. It's just in you. And so not everything that could be a mystery is a mystery because you have learned the voice of God through the written word. And I tell people that all the time. When you want to learn what the Lord's will is, you go to the written word. And the written word is full of promises, precepts, principles, and there's some prohibitions in there. Sometimes the will of the Lord, when you're wanting to do something, you just find a verse that says, no, you actually are not supposed to do that. You're a Jesus follower. So you don't pray about that when the word is clear and it prohibits something. You just, there's the will of God for you. You don't do it. But when we are soaked with the word of God, we are better equipped to know the will of God. If a person, if a Christian is not in the Bible and the Bible is not moving and working in them, um, then they are going to have a much harder time discerning the will of the Lord. And everybody wants a word. Everybody wants, um, you know, give me a word from the prophet or Lord, speak to me. And sometimes God, you know, as a good father says, yeah, I've spoken to you. I've, I've given you my book and you never read it. So I'm not going to give you a rhema word, a whispered word when you're neglecting the written word. Sometimes he'll withhold that, um, that word in the moment, that whispered word. I call it his accent. You learn his voice by the written word, and you can sometimes catch his accent by the prophetic or the whispered word, the rhema word. And a lot of people just bypass the logos and go for the rhema. They bypass the written word, and they want the prophetic revelation. And so I want to encourage you as I talk about this today to understand that I'm always going to point you back to the Bible. And not, not that emergency thing, oh, i got to find a Bible verse because I've got to make a decision by Tuesday. That's terrible. No, just stay in the word all the time. And then most of the time, you're going to have what you need when decision seasons come. But what do, what do you do when you are following the Lord, when you are in the word, when you need to know as well, and you don't have a verse? You don't have something in the Bible that says this is what you're supposed to do. Well, let me tell you a few things um, that have helped me along the way, and I hope they'll be a help to you. I'm going to give you a lot of Bible today. So if you are undisciplined and immature and impatient and you don't like Bible, go ahead and press pause and turn in, tune into a, a different ver uh, episode because I don't do this in every episode. But for those of us that need help in this area of discerning the will of the Lord, here's some Bible that's going to help you think through it. And maybe the Lord actually speaks to you during this podcast about that thing you're seeking his will in. Maybe he just equips you because you need some equipping in order to hear what he's going to reveal to you a little further down the road about this thing you're seeking him concerning. So I, I start out in Ephesians 5 and verse 17 and verse 18, and it's just laying a foundational thought here. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18 says this, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit 
Okay, so right off the bat, we're told to not understand what the will of the Lord is, to not seek it, to not know it, but to live outside of it. Ephesians 5.17 says, that's foolish. Don't be foolish. And in contrast to being foolish, it says, understand what the will of the Lord is. So to not live with a desire to know the will of the Lord is to live foolishly. And then more specifically in verse 18 of Ephesians 5, the will of the Lord is attached to this need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, don't be drunk with wine. That's debauchery or excess, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the will of the Lord is connected to being filled with the Spirit. And that's not necessarily talking about manifestations of praying in tongues and things like that. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in abiding with Jesus, to walk in fellowship, to walk in a... Um, like an intentionality towards your relationship with God. So when you're understanding what the will is, a will of the Lord is, that is um, going to be carried out, facilitated in your life by living a spirit-filled life, a life filled with and by the Holy Spirit. And Paul writes to a different church, the churches of Colossae, in chapter 1, verse 9, and this is his prayer for Christians, and it's my prayer for you guys. Um, I'm not the Apostle Paul, but I am a friend, and you're tuning in because on some level you think I can help you. Well, this is what I'm praying for you that listen, especially on this episode. Paul writes in Colossians 1.9, From the day we heard of your faith, we have not ceased to pray for you. So Paul prayed for those that he instructed, that he uh, was the father in the faith to, and specifically says, We've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's a very important verse. Paul said, I am praying that God will fill you with the knowledge of what his will is. And he then says, and that knowledge, that appropriation, that receiving of the understanding of the will of God comes through spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. So it's not mastering a technique. It's not um, you know, facilitating um, uh, a database of 19 steps to know the will of God. It is spiritual. And when we use the word spiritual in the context of Christianity, that means it's relational. Like God it has personhood and he's not just some big data machine, you know, spilling out chunks of data to you so you'll know how to live. It's not the way it works. He's a father. And he wants to relate with you. And so the wisdom and understanding that you get comes by process of relating with him spiritually. And it's not primarily transactional, it's primarily transactional. It is primarily relational. And as you are walking in the spirit, pursuing the will of the Lord, you are going to be filled with the knowledge of his will. That is the outcome. You will be filled with the knowledge of God's will if you do not give up on this pursuit of him and the pursuit of knowing what he wants you to do so that your life can be pleasing to him. Um, here's, you know, everybody knows Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. And, you know, we know them so well, we fail to slow down sometimes and just <laughs> receive instruction from them. And here's what Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So those are directional verses. So it all begins with trusting. You have to trust the Lord. That means as he is brought you into a process of discerning his will, as he is going to impart to you spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
as you are in process of being filled with the knowledge of his will, you're going to have to trust him with all your heart because we get panicky, man. We're like, no, no, I don't know the will of God. I got to know the will of God. God, you got to tell me your will. Okay, God, you haven't said anything and it's been 30 seconds. And so I I think you must just want me to decide and I want to blow a whistle and call a timeout here. No, you're going to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that means you're going to squirm. I promise you. In seasons where God is stretching and deepening your faith, you're going to squirm. When you are watching the clock and the calendar because you really need to know what God wants you to do, you're going to squirm because I promise you, he will stretch that thing out. He, he's not, again, primarily transactional. He's not a glorified vending machine that you pop in a, a you know, a dollar's worth of prayer, pull a lever or push a button and out comes the answer. That's transactional. That's a barter system and God doesn't barter with you. He's your father and he wants you to learn his accent. So you're going to have to trust in him with all of your heart. And then you're going to have to, at the same time, discipline yourself, not to lean to your own understanding. Some of you are very bright. You're very gifted. You're highly decisive. You're smart. Um, you, you, you make things happen and you usually succeed at what you do. Now, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that unless you're trusting in your abilities to do all of that. Because ultimately, you'll end up being becoming a person, uh, potentially, that leans on his or her own understanding. And we're actually forbidden not to do that. Um, I'm in a process right now of big decisions in my life, my family. And um, the temptation is to lean on my own understanding, to do what seems right to me. And thank, thankfully, by his grace over the years, <laughs> learning it the hard way, I don't lean to my own understanding anymore. I literally say, I'm not going to move until, I'm talking about like moving in a direction, in this decision direction. Do I go left? Do I go right? I'm not going to make a move until I, I know what God is saying. My own understanding might be good, but it, it's, you know, and it might be um, sincere and it might be, you know, like authentic in its desire to please the Lord. But my own understanding is faulty. And so I've got to be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. So in all my ways, according to Proverbs 3, 6, I've got to acknowledge God. And as I acknowledge God as the Lord, as I acknowledge God as the authority in my life, as I acknowledge him, he's going to make straight my paths. So there's a couple of statements in the New Testament that tell you explicitly what the will of the Lord is. Okay. Everybody knows Romans 12 too. do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So part of discerning the will of God is that you are not conformed to the world. Now I could do a whole podcast on what does it mean to be conformed to the world? I'm not going to do that today, but basically what are you more aligned with the values of this world or the values of the kingdom? What are you more engaged in? The activities of this world, this fallen world system? Or are you engaged in the activities of the kingdom? What is more, um, what are you more passionate about? The things of this world? And again, I don't even want to give you a long list, but you, you know what the world's after. The world's after pleasure. The world's after fame. The world's after money. The world's after beauty. You know, and there could be a much more added to that list. But, you know, that's just the spirit of the age. And we're, we're to come out of that to know what the will of the Lord is. And it begins by God saying, here is my will come out of the world and then you'll know my will. And so I don't, I don't think this is a small thing. If you're, if you're soaked in the world and you're pursuing the world and dabbling in God, you're not going to be able to discern what the will of the Lord is. 
because to know the specific will of the Lord is like the pearls of heaven. And Jesus taught us not to cast our pearls before the swine. And Jesus is going to do the same thing. He's not going to give you the pearls of his specific knowledge of his will for your life. If you're going to trample them like swine. And so you got to come out of the world and begin to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And again, that involves prayer that involves study of the word of God that involves a, a life of righteousness. And then you will test. You, you, there's actually a process. You learn, you're tested to discern. This is Romans 12 too. You're tested as you discern what is the will of God. And guys, there is a learning process here. Like some of you say, I can never know the will of God. And therefore I will never know the will of God because I've never really been able to discern the will of God. Well, stop speaking that doom and gloom over yourself. You, you got to grow in this. You can't be an expert. I know a young man um, who, who wants to, he doesn't like to attempt things uh, unless he's an expert at it. And I'm like, you, you don't just pop out of the, you know, the womb of something and all of a sudden you're an expert in it. We have to grow. We have to go through baby steps. We have to go through, you know, growing pains. We have to go through spiritual adolescence in certain areas. And then we become mature sons and daughters. But you've got to be willing to be tested in your ability to, to discern the will of the Lord. You learn to discern. Most people aren't just automatically discerning. There are other factors that help you discern the will of the Lord. He very rarely writes it in the sky or thunders with his big God baritone voice. This is my will. That just doesn't happen. I'm not saying it can't. I'm just saying it usually doesn't. Um, and I, you know, there's moments where I wish he would do that. I can't think of, but maybe one or two times where, you know, he just thundered, not audibly, but thundered into my spirit. I knew instantly what to do. Most of the time, it's a process of seeking and waiting and trusting and letting him kind of marinate that into you. Um, here's, here's another part. And I guess I should have said this at the beginning, but Jesus said in John six, verse 40, this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on his son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. Just real quick here, some of you that listen to Mavericks and Misfits may be religious, but you're actually not born again. You dabble in Christian stuff, but you are, if I can risk it, more of the world than you are of Christ because you've never had the actual born again experience. And so I, I would say that um, <laughs> the will of God is that you get saved. I love saying that. Like when I preach um, or when I'm witnessing to somebody, I never have to pray. Hmm, I wonder if it's God's will for this person to repent and believe. No, it is God's will. Um, you know, Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but he is patient toward you, not willing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. So God's will is for people to repent, bow to Jesus Christ, confess themselves as sinners in need of, of a savior. And you're not just getting your ticket punched to heaven. You're bowing before a king. Um, some people need to just go back and read the paradigm in the Old Testament that what people did in the presence of a king. And they knew their life was on the line every time they stepped in the presence of the king. So the people that were wise bowed. And that, that lays over as a template into the New Testament. When you come to Jesus Christ and you, you've never been saved, you're bowing before a king in whose hands is your life. Like people want Jesus all the time to be the cuddly, sweet little pat on the head shepherd who wipes your tears away. And no doubt about it, he's tender and merciful. But some people, you know, you don't need that little compassionate little pat on the head right now. You need a wake up call. And um, there's some people like when I got saved, I did not get saved through the gentleness of the Lord. I did not. 
He, he, I mean, I look back now and I see incredible, immeasurable mercy and grace to me. But in the moment, it was basically the Lord saying, I'm the king. You've been rebelling against me for a long time. You better make your decision. So it was anything but sweet and tender. So listen, you got to get saved. If, if you're not walking in the kingdom, if you're not consistently living unto the things of God, if Jesus is just a word on your lips or the box you check when you're filling out something and ask you what religion you are. I'm a Christian, but if there's no real relationship there, I want to encourage you, you know, don't, don't cut off the podcast and run away scared. No, just press pause for a minute and say, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm with you or not. I, I, I don't hear your voice. I don't really long to honor you. I don't really seek your will. I don't really want to please you. It's not part of my normal way of living. Lord, am I saved? Do I really belong to you? Have I ever surrendered to the, to the authority that you have purchased over my life? And if I haven't, Lord, I'm doing that right now because that's the will of God. Also, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the will of God is for you to be thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you're not a grateful, thankful person, it's really hard for you to discern the will of God. Because the, the clear will of God in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is this is the will of God. Do this. Be thankful. And if you're not obeying what is clearly the will of God, you're going to have a hard time to discern what, what isn't clearly revealed as the will of God in Scripture. So I, I do think that these things that say this is the will of God in Scripture, you need to be doing that. You need to be aligning with those things. Um, before you're trying to discern what hasn't been revealed specifically in scripture as being the will of God. So are you grateful? Are you thankful? Do you give God thanks? Not are you generally optimistic and thankful, but no, do you stop and say thank you to the very real and personable God that, that is father over you? Do, do you do that? Are you thankful that you were clothed? I mean, if you're listening to this, you're, you're blessed because you've got a digital device or a radio or a computer or something. It probably means you've got clothes on your back. If you can afford those things, you've probably got clothes. You've probably got food in your belly. You've probably got shelter. Um, man, are you grateful? Or do you presume that you deserve those things? Like I, I try to cultivate a, a grateful attitude. I want to stay thankful. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, an ungrateful heart is the first step towards apostasy. So the Bible says this is the will of God, you giving thanks in every circumstance. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Uh, this is a biggie because a lot of you are are young. Uh, this Mavericks Misfits has a lot of um, young people that listen to it, and I'm grateful for that. But there are certain temptations and sins that are common to young people. And 1 Thessalonians 4.3 talks about the will of God being that you would be sexually pure. This is the will of God. So you don't have to pray about this. This is the will of God. This Let it be written. Let it be done. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So if you're sexually compromised, if your morality is intermittent, if you are, you know, dabbling in sexual, messing around, fooling around, you know, I mean, very clearly the only God-ordained, God-blessed sexual activity in the Bible is a heterosexual marriage union, a husband and wife, not just a man and woman, a husband and wife. And any sexual activity outside of that is to be sexually immoral. And so the will of God is that you would be sanctified in the area of your sexual morality. 
So if you're sleeping around, if you're engaged in sexual activity, even though it may not actually be intercourse, but you're fooling around regularly with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or watching pornography and stuff, you're not going to be able to discern the will of the Lord. Like you can't do that and then step into the prayer room and say, oh, God, speak to me. God's like, I did speak to you. I told you to stop engaging in sexual immorality and you're not doing that. So I'm not going to talk to you about anything else until you obey what I've already clearly said. And that may sound harsh to some of you, but it's actually reasonable. How dare we, any of us, presume to get special revelation and discernment on something not written in Scripture when we're not even obeying and acknowledging and honoring what is written in Scripture? So the will of God is that we'd be thankful. The will of God is that we'd be sexually pure. Here's one that a lot of you may have a problem with. The will of God sometimes is that we, we suffer and uh, we don't like that, especially in our day where people say it is never the will of God for Christians to suffer. That is actually a very unbiblical and heretical thought. And people feel like they need to defend the goodness of God, because if God was good, why would he ever allow pain in the lives of one of his children? Well, let me remind you, Jesus Christ was the only begotten son of God who never sinned, and he was not even immune from pain and suffering on earth. It's part of living in this cursed world and suffering. If we respond properly to it in the will of God, suffering actually can become something that um, promotes us in the spirit. It actually purifies us. It actually draws us near to God. And, you know, let me give you Bible because I know that's a controversial statement because people just don't believe that it, they blame all suffering on the devil and it's always outside of God will, God's will and some people are so religiously spirited that they say yeah if you're suffering it's because you've sinned they're like Job's friends who were by the way wrong so listen to these verses from 1 Peter 1 Peter 3:17 it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well doing than for evil doing did you hear that it's better that you suffer for well doing than for evil doing if it's God's will so inherent in 1 Peter 3.17 is the fact that sometimes God's will is for you to endure suffering. There's a lot in the New Testament about enduring hardness, enduring affliction, enduring suffering. And if the will of God is that you will have to go through a valley of suffering, then you better do it with faith, trust, and endurance. Um, 1 Peter 4.2, so a chapter later. As Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with that same thinking. For he who has suffered, pardon me, <clears throat> for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from his sin, that he no longer should live the rest of the time in his flesh to the longings of man, but to the will of God. Do you see that? That suffering has a purifying effect that you are to arm yourself with. That means get prepared. Get prepared that you're going to suffer, but know that when suffering hits you, if you are in the proper mindset about it, it will actually cause you to be um, strengthened against temptation to sin. He that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from his sin. So suffering has a purifying effect. And the end result of that is that we no longer live the rest of our days in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Suffering has a way of purifying your commitment to live unto the will of God and to no longer live in the flesh. 
And that's why Peter said just a few verses later in 1 Peter 4, 19, wherefore let those who suffer according to the will of God, let them commit the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So there's no getting around it. There are um, ramifications for living in a sin-cursed world. You're not promised immunity from suffering. You will experience loss. You will experience hardship. You will experience at times pain. God is not cruel. God will take all things and work them together for your good. And sometimes if we are truly going to be made into the image of Jesus, Paul said it this way, I do want the power of the resurrection, but before that I need the fellowship of his sufferings. So guys, if you are bitter and offended because something went raw in your life, something terrible happened. Um, and by the way, I've had a lot of bad stuff happen in my Christian life. I've been saved about 30 years and had a lot of stuff, a lot of pain, a lot of loss, a lot of warfare, a lot of, you know, just straight up mistreatment and misrepresentation. And it, it's always a test of Jeff, do you really trust God? And I'm going to promise you something. I'll say along with the psalmist in Psalm 119, I think it's verse 67. Uh, he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. It was good for me that I was afflicted. Because now I've learned your statutes. I think that's Psalm 119, 67 and 71. Like affliction and pain and suffering and stuff. I'm not going to sign up for it. I'm not going to say, hey, I want to be first in line for that. But it's going to come. And if you do not respond to it as being part of the will of God. Like I'm not saying he caused it. But what I am saying is he allowed it. And people will say, God would never do that. God can't be the cause of it. Well, God did allow it. And because he's good, any suffering he's allowed in my life is meant to draw me closer to him. And he may very well want me to learn how to trust him and literally reverse this thing by faith that I'm suffering. Maybe he has to allow trouble in order to teach us that he's the God that gets us out of trouble. Maybe pain has to come in order for us to know that God will meet us in our pain. Maybe suffering has to be at times the will of God for our life because he's strengthening us to help others who will suffer. And he's also strengthening us because maybe perhaps greater occasions of suffering are in our future. So he's building up our endurance muscle. So if, if you're not allowed to suffer, you're going to be short circuited from knowing the will of God because it's very clear in first Peter chapter four that sometimes the will of God is for us to suffer. Now, I know some of you won't like that because you just have not, you have no theology of suffering and you, you ignore the parts of the Bible that are very clear on that. And you, you, there's a hyper charismatic way of teaching that says, no, if anything is bad, it's of the devil because Christ took in the atonement, everything that was wrong in our life. Well, if you follow that line of thinking out, then you should never physically die because he physically died on your behalf. So the fact of the matter is there are still elements of a sin-cursed world that are going to affect us and impact us negatively. And if you, can't, if you can't walk with God through that, then friends, you don't really know the will of the Lord. The Lord's saying, will you trust me in suffering? And all of you, by the way, who have suffered, and many of you that are listening have gone through intense seasons of suffering, you know what I'm saying is true. You know that because you endured and because God met you in a very powerful way in your suffering and you weren't getting punished for your sins, you weren't off in the world, you weren't, you know, holding hands with the devil and he, you know, smacked you. No, you, you were actually trying to live for the Lord, but life happens. And God in his wisdom said, I think my daughter is ready to go through this valley and I'm going to meet her in the most intimate ways in this valley as I shepherd her through. 
I know my son is built for great things in the kingdom. And so I'm going to teach him to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And it's going to involve some suffering. And so work through it. Read your Bible. Okay. I'm not being, I'm not trying to be like belligerent about this, but read your Bible. If you don't think that Christians ever suffer, you're biblically ignorant and you've believed some lie from the flesh or religion or the enemy. And you need to recognize that God is going to work all things for good. He never said all things are good. He says, I'll work even the bad things that aren't good to produce good in our lives. So let me finish up with this. First uh, John chapter two, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's time to come out of the world, my friends, all the way. Uh, stop getting your holy hit on Sundays or prayer meetings or Wednesday nights or home groups or podcasts. Stop living vicariously through somebody else's Christianity. Like, come out of the world. Like, you may have to get radical. Jesus said, hey, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. And what that means is not so much, you know, physical dismemberment and mutilation. What it's saying, what Jesus is saying there is you got to get radical about no longer living in things that are inconsistent with who you are as a Christian, because that's the will of God. And whoever does the will of God abides forever. So knowing the will of God is not some luxury. It's crucial. It's important. And it's available. And I want to encourage you. Get on your face. Talk to the Lord about it. Don't give up. He's not playing peekaboo with you. He's not revealing his will to everybody else, and he's just going to hold it back from you. That's foolishness. That's the devil accusing God to you. But he, God is not just going to flippantly you know, release his will if, if you're not consecrated. If you're not serious about walking it out, he's, he's not ready to lead you to the next step and the next level when you haven't even obeyed the last step at the last level. And so trust him. He's not putting you in timeout. He's willing for you to get back in the game right now, but you got to come out of the world and you got to be fully his because that's what Jesus died to purchase. Nothing less. Jesus did not die. Suffer. He did not do that so that you could be a half-hearted, lukewarm, Christianized religion, religious person. He died that you might be a radical follower who's growing in love, walking in the spirit, and filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.